A man opens fire in a Texas church and gets taken out by one of the congregants. And the perpetrator's sister says that he was given over to demons. Stay with us as we look at this and other stories on the 511 News. Now there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And today's episode, guys, may sound a little different for a couple reasons, one of which I am a little bit under the weather, uh, so you guys may hear a little grogginess to my voice, but also... If you guys have been listening for the last couple weeks, it is the holiday season, so we've been a little bit out and about, so getting in the studio is not the easiest thing. So we've been doing a couple of different recordings last week's as well as this week's, Uh, and I know last week's was cut off a little short because I'm going to blame Tony on that one for not putting the ending that I sent him (laughs) into the recording, but nonetheless, he wanted to make sure I pointed out the fact that we are we're going to be getting back in the studio for Five Eleven News uh, next week. It's just for the last couple of weeks I've been out and about and not able to get into the studio, and so I was praying about it and I said, "Hey, man, I'd rather do a show than not." And so I have a little microphone today, and I'll send it to Tony in the morning, and he will hopefully edit this out and get it to you guys. So praise the Lord. I, I'm really excited. I hope you guys had a wonderful, wonderful. Uh, New Year's, a wonderful Christmas, and we're really blessed by it, and hopefully you got to spend a lot of time with family and and get into the Word, and um, I'm going to get right into it, because I have a a couple of things I want to talk about, and if we have time, I'd like to maybe go over a few different books that I've read over the last year that I think uh, maybe if you're looking, hey, what should I read, you know, outside of Scripture, obviously, our biggest thing here at Good Fight Ministries at 511 at Blessed Hope Chapel, whatever ministry we're talking about that I know I'm involved in or Joe or Tony is involved in, we always want to tell you guys, get in the Word in of season, out of season, been preaching the word, getting the word, feast off of it, eat from it, make sure that you are uh, esteeming it, as Job said, greater than your necessary food, make sure that you are meditating on it day and night, so you'll be like the tree planted against the water that bears fruit in its season. If you're not digging into God's word every day, you will spiritually starve. So I want to give that encouragement uh, before anything, guys. And I, I want to talk a little bit about this situation that happened. It's more than a situation, uh, a tragic thing that took place in White Settlement, Texas, where a member of their church uh, actually, you know, I believe is a hero, that God used him uh, by equipping him in a number of different ways. But I want to read the story. This was on the Associated Press, and I don't always want to go to the Associated Press. I have a few news sources that I really like and, and enjoy, like Christian News Network with Heather Clark. She does an excellent job, and I know where she stands on a lot of doctrinal things. You can tell by the way she writes that she does a good job. So anytime I can quote their articles, which I will be a little bit later, uh, I'm going to do that. But 
A lot of times it's also good to see, even when the secular uh, news has to admit (laughs) things that they may not want to admit, and that does end up happening a lot because they typically end up with egg on their face. But nonetheless, guys, this is from the Associated Press, and it says, Alarms went off in Jack Wilson's head the moment a man wearing a fake beard, a wig, a hat, and a long coat walked into a Texas church for Sunday services. By the time the man approached a communion server and pulled out a shotgun, Wilson, and another security volunteer were already reaching for their own guns. The attacker shot the other volunteer, Richard White, and then server, Anton Tony Wallace, sending congregants scrambling for cover. The gunman was heading toward the front of the sanctuary as Wilson searched for a clear line of fire. I didn't have a clear uh, clear window, he said, referring to the church members who were jumping and going chaotic. Wilson, a 71-year-old firearms instructor who has also been a reserve sheriff's deputy, said, They were standing up. I had to wait about a half a second or a second to get my shot. I fired one round. The subject went down. Wilson's single shot quickly ended the attack that killed Wallace, 64, and White, 67, at the West Freeway Church of Christ in Fort Worth area town of White Settlement. He had said, he said the entire congregation was over in no more than six, or the entire confrontation was over in no more than six seconds. More than 240 congregants were in the church at the time. Quote, the only clear shot I had was his head because I still had people in the pews that were not all the way down as low as they could. That was my one shot. And that was the shot that Wilson took, and that was the shot that took out the perpetrator. Uh, it was a one-shot kill. In fact, it was an incredible shot. Um, sadly, I, I did see the video, and more by accident, uh, just by clicking on a video, expecting it simply to be a news report, and, and seeing it. And those things, I don't know about you guys, but those things are always really tough for, for me to watch. It doesn't matter how someone passes. I usually have a difficult time, especially when I, you know, I, I'm fairly certain of where that person's end is. And, you know, you go out to go murder a bunch of people. The Bible is very clear. First John 3.15 says that no murderer has eternal life in them. So I don't have, to, you know, you look at that and you say, wow, um, you know, it's not looking too hot for him. Um, so it's tough. It's tough when you see that. It's tough to be put in those positions. But it's just things that we have to we recognize and things we need to realize. And and guys, I think there's a there's a place to talk about whether or not, and I've seen this online, and it's something that you see trending during these times, and this is even from the Christian realm, you know, the somewhat pacifist, you know, side of the argumentation that what that guy did was wrong by killing that man. And instead of getting into all the different texts, which we could, you know, I think a lot of this has to do with a a basic misunderstanding of hermeneutics, a basic misunderstanding of Christology, a basic misunderstanding of the Trinity, and the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think that a lot of times with pacifists, um, you do have somewhat of a, a Marcion controversy where you do separate the God of the New Testament with the God of the Old Testament. And I believe it's a, it's a wicked thing and that we don't take all things into account. And we can have these little pop shot statements and you can have these things that you say and these motifs and these maxims that, you know, but would Jesus do that? And the fact is this, is that Jesus said the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. And one like it would be to love your neighbor as yourself. And in all honesty, if you are not willing to save your neighbor, I just wonder how much you love them. I know if my little daughter or, or any either one of my little daughters or my little boys 
or my wife or any friend or even somebody I didn't like, I guess, was sitting there, I I, I, I would want Mr. Wilson there to shoot and, and finish that perpetrator off um, and, and do that. Uh, you know, I, I think it's somewhat ridiculous that we can read things like Romans 13 about the government being allowed. Uh, you know what? I'll actually read from Romans 13 because I think it's an important text, especially when we get a greater understanding of an overall theme and an overall understanding of when it comes to biblical hermeneutics and looking into what the author is trying to say, uh, looking into what the text is meaning, what it means for us today, whether it is for us today, things like that. But I'll I'll read from Romans 13, because I I think it's a really hard, you'd have have to have a tough time presenting to me the pacifist position that this man did something wrong, which yes, I saw trending on Twitter. I saw people debating that on Twitter, and it kind of hurt my heart to see that because I thought what the guy did was very heroic, and he probably saved, I mean, I can't imagine a, a maniac with a, a shotgun, the amount of lives that he saved in that um, by making that shot. But let me read from Romans 13. This is what it says, verse 1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they have opposed, I'm sorry, the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to what is due, custom to his custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, we could do an entire thing on that and understand the difference of being subject to your governing authorities and ceasing to share the gospel, because I believe that the same Paul who wrote that uh, disobeyed laws in order to share the gospel, but didn't disobey laws just to disobey them, but still fell in line under the governing authorities uh, where he could, where it didn't go against specifically and directly God, his word, and his will. But guys, I really have a hard time as the pacifist, uh, that we, in our governing body, under the Constitution that we have in America, we are allowed to defend ourselves. And praise God, right now, we're allowed to have weapons. And guess what? It says, I need to be subject to those things. And guess what? That man bore the sword in that situation, and he did what was right. I believe he did completely what was right, and what he did was honorable, and I believe he was loving his neighbor uh, when he did that act. Uh, how can I How can I stand there if I was in that same situation? Ask yourself that. How could you stand there and watch as people are massacred and do nothing when you have the power and the constitutional right to do something? How could you sit there watch that and just say, oh, well, you know what, what would Jesus do? You know, I, I hardly, I hardly agree that he would just 
allow evil men to just simply massacre them or want us to allow that evil. And guys, this is from the Christian News Network because I wanted to get to know a little bit about the guy who also, you know, was the perm chair. He's going into a church. Why is he doing this? What's his background? And Heather Clark of Christian News Network wrote an article on this. And this is this is from that article. It says, The sister of the troubled transient man who opened fire inside of a Texas church on Sunday, killing two before being taken down by a security guard within seconds, says that he likely carried out the attack because he was haunted by his brother's suicide, and that day was his brother's birthday. It was Sunday. It was his brother's birthday, and he he just, demons just ended up getting a hold of him. Amy Canunum who lives in Oklahoma, told the local television station. She explained to reporters that her brother, Joy Canunum, then 30, died 10 years ago from a drug overdose. Her other brother, Keith, quote, was a lost soul and had demons from childhood. And even though the family was brought up in a Christian home, it wasn't until Joel died that Keith began to think on matters of faith. He had been in and out of jail a number of times since 1998. He's been arrested and charged numerous times in Tucson, Arizona, Fort Worth, Texas, Grady County, Oklahoma, where he was arrested on a domestic violent case in 2011 and charged with felony aggravated assault and battery. He later pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor assault and battery charge and sentenced 90 days. He was arrested again in Oklahoma, charged with third-degree arson. Okay, Canunum also was arrested on theft, narcotics, disorderly conduct, a lot of different things. Keith is a violent paranoid person with a long line of assault and batteries with with and without firearms he's a religious fanatic and says he's battling a demon he is not nice to anyone she wrote in court documents now guys i do believe guys i do believe we need to pay attention to these things because it's a spiritual battle and and what more satan hates the church he hates the church and he wants to kill it. And this man, uh, for whatever was going on, uh, whatever was happening to him, um, you know, demonically, I think that we do a disservice in the body of Christ if we do not recognize spiritual warfare for what it is. Okay, we underestimate so often the spiritual aspect of the warfare that we are fighting. We underestimate so often who our enemy is, right? Because we go, oh, well, you know, you're the weird guy who brings that stuff up, right? You talk about demonic activity, people get really uncomfortable about it. You could talk about any number of things typically in a Bible study or church setting. And when something's not going right, maybe something's not working, even technologically, and somebody said, man, maybe this is a demonic attack. Maybe something's trying to stop this. We think, oh, gosh, who brought the weirdo? You know, <clears throat> I don't have my cough button today like I normally have. I'm sorry, guys. But we we think about that. Think about that. If somebody said that to you in a Bible study, you know, maybe when things are contentious. I think if you asked my my wife or, or, or Pastor Joe or, or Lisa or anything, when we're about to go on a mission trip, you always seem to be on edge. <laughs> you know, people seem to typically be on edge in these situations. And a lot of times these little fights break out that you're like, whoa, like this, this is something that would never bother me. And this is why the scripture is very clear, you know, that we should never give Satan any sort of foothold on us. And I think in Hebrews chapter 12, um, you know, the first couple of verses where it talks about laying aside every sin 
and the encumbrance would so easily entangle us so we can run that race of endurance. And it's things like that where we give Satan a foothold. You know, I, I it always breaks my heart when people come from such the wrong area of thinking and the wrong line of thinking when they bring forth questions about about secular music or movies or just about anything. And it's never like, how can I stay away from these things? It's always the, how can I do everything that I want to do and still be a Christian? And I think that we we do that and it's so heartbreaking because we give Satan this foothold. And if we don't recognize not just the spiritual experience, guys, but we don't recognize our enemy, Go read again. If you are not reading the Bible, please go read the Bible, okay? Because you cannot get around it. If you want to ask what Jesus would do, well, Jesus would exercise demons, okay? But I'm not saying that you need to be an exorcist or something like that. What I'm saying is you need to recognize that spiritual warfare was a prerequisite to any understanding from anybody who wrote any letter in in all of the New Testament. Guys, you can't get around that. That's a fact. And so if we don't recognize these things, you know, I don't know where this guy stood or any idea, you know, they call him a religious fanatic or that he was extremely religious and he's confident that he was praying to the good Lord up to the last minute um, guys, I'm sorry, I, just from a biblical perspective, um, I'm going to say no murder has eternal life in them. And if you have demons inside of you, I can't imagine you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Um, you know, I mean, that's just, that seems very, that's common sense. You know, Jesus was really clear, you know, the kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. You know, um, Tiffany Wallace, the daughter of slain deacon Anthony Wallace, ran to her father upon the realization of him being shot. And she told him that she loved him and held on to him. And she said, you just wonder why. How can someone so evil, the devil, just step into the church and do this? The fact that it hit our home and someone that supports us and loves us and is our dad is gone. That's what hurts the most. And, you know, it's really cool because they talk about forgiving even the the wickedness that the man perpetrated. Um, But, you know, we look at those things and say, how can this happen? And I I think that brings me to a a next point uh, because I know I'll have to wrap up here soon enough. And I I wanted to get to a a few different uh, pieces of encouragement uh, for the new year and not simply just leave on that. You know, there, there's a, it's awesome to see what took place. It's awesome to see this, this man. And it does seem like he was preparing himself for such an event and guys, you know, this can be, my, this is just my encouragement. You know, if you feel led this way, if you're in a congregation and you're somebody who is a good shot, you know, maybe, and you have a good clean record and you can get a CCW and, and you could be able to be a concealed carry and have that permit and want to be able to help out your church in a time like this and make sure you're actually, if you have that concealed carry, preparing yourself and not just somebody with a certificate that says you know how to do something, but actually know how to wield that thing. Yeah, it'd be great to have guys in your own congregation who can help defend the flock in that way as well. You know, there were times where shepherds would also need to, to kill those wolves, right? Um, it's It's crazy. 
Um, you guys probably, it depends on if you're in from Simi or not. We've been dealing with a number of, uh, just, it's kind of interesting where all the attacks have happened, but a number of cougar or uh, mountain lion attacks on goats and dogs and, and different things around our area. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I saw somebody coming after my kid, uh, you know, some mountain lion, I would grab whatever weapon I have and attack that thing. And, you know, it's the same way. I mean, when somebody becomes an animal and goes into massacre, I'm going to do whatever I can to defend whatever weapon I have at my disposal. And uh, even if that's my hands, whatever it is. So, you know, once again, I, I have to ask that for the pacifist. You know, how do you really love your neighbor if you're unwilling to save his life, uh, you know, by any means necessary? Uh, especially that uh, people of the household of God that aren't possessed by demons going and shooting people. So, guys, it, it's good to think about... <coughs> It's good to, you know, uh, you know, contemplate these things because some of them can be hard to think about and, and it can be difficult. But as I said, I wanted to go over a, a different, a, something different uh, before I end. Uh, this will be, I guess, my first show of the new year, but I'm, I'm recording it on the first. I'm recording this on New Year's Day. So I kind of did a little look back on this last year. And some of my favorite books I read, and some of them I, I, I just kind of wrote them down. I wrote 10 on Good Fight Ministries' Facebook page. And for me personally, these are just, I, I read a number of books, and I, and I try to get through as many as I can alongside a scripture. Obviously, I make sure, and I'm always convicted to make sure if I'm reading a book, uh, I'm obviously reading scripture much more than I am that book. I feel convicted sometimes because I'm, you know, feasting on these things. I'm like, okay, I got to put in, I just put two hours in on, on a book because I was really enjoying it. I want to make sure I'm in my word uh, just as much, if not more. And a lot of them, if you guys will hear it, a lot of it, I have uh, scripture next to them. There's scripture containing in them. Uh, I this is my personal conviction. This has I'm not telling anyone to have this conviction whatsoever. I know, I know guys would glean. I know that Paul would glean, and and he would you know obviously know guys like Epimendes and and different philosophies, Stoic and Epicurean philosophies and things like that. So Paul was not ignorant about about these subjects. Um, But me personally, even when it comes to like fiction and things like that, I... I just love, I want to know the word. I'm, I have a thing for Bible commentaries. In the list, I'm going to read you guys. I didn't list a single Bible commentary because I don't really feel that's fair because I read Bible commentaries every day typically. Um, so if I wrote that down, I would just literally list all the Bible commentaries. <laughs> well, I have a lot more than 10, but I'd have them listed on here. of Guys I agree with, guys I disagree with. But I want to go over a few of the things um, a few of the uh, the books and tell you why I put them on my top 10 list. Uh, the first one I listed was Mac Tomlinson's book, In Light of Eternity, The Life of Leonard Ravenhill. And guys, if you listen to this show, you hear in the intro a quote from Leonard Ravenhill. I'd say outside of Pastor Joe Schimmel, who I came to faith through and have been discipled by for my walk with Christ, I'd say Leonard Ravenhill is probably number two on my list of people I've learned from, and it's amazing. I would I would literally copy and paste uh, at my old work, and throughout the day while I was working, read some of the biographical sketches that Leonard Ravenhill wrote because they were really short. They're really on, like John Wesley and and Jonathan Edwards and uh, you know George Whitfield whoever he wrote a number of little mini doc uh, documentaries that are on I believe ravenhill.org is the website but I absolutely love this book I love reading anytime I read about 
men of God who've been used in a mighty, powerful way. I'm always encouraged and I'm always humbled like, Lord, I want to do more. I want to I want to get out there and do that. Do more. Get out there sharing the gospel more. And in terms of In Light of Eternity, The Life of Little Ravenhill, it is a very big biography comparative to others, but it's also very, very, very good. Another biography, and I put both of the biographies at the top, um, is The Life of John Wes- Wesley by John Telford. I I think it's a phenomenal book. John Wesley uh, is I absolutely love reading Wesley. I love reading the story about Wesley. I love reading some of his doctrines, some of his uh, requirements for preaching. And I mean, the life of John Wesley was it's an it's an excellent book. The another old classic uh, by an Anglican was J. C. Ryle's Holiness, and that is. A very famous book. It's not that long. It's a re- it's a really easy read, but um, convicting. <laughs> it's easy, yet convicting. It's a good read. Um, I will probably I could have just written down early church fathers because I spent a ton of time this last year reading the early church fathers, and um, Irenaeus is my favorite. So that's why. I put his Against Heresies on the Detection and Overthrow of the So-Called Gnosis. And guys, that book let us know what was going on in the early church concerning Gnosticism. And it it was so powerful. It is so powerful. I, I've probably read it 10 times maybe as a believer, at least once a year. And then I'm always referring back to it and looking at it. Um, you know, for, I mean, historical reasons, for doctrinal reasons, just things that I absolutely love reading Irenaeus. Once again, no book that I will read to you guys, no book that I will say is perfect, including the early church fathers. But I will say this, I can glean from them and you can see scripture coming out of their pores and and to think the the lack of access that they had to those scriptures that we now have guys i just I, honestly i can feel like a pauper you know sitting here listening and and reading reading adam clark's commentary and thinking about him on horseback writing the most extensive commentary in history uh <laughs> you know i i just I can feel very convicted that way, so it's always good. I, I also have Clay Jones's Why Does God Allow Evil? Now, I really enjoyed this. Um, it's a theodicy, so that is the answer answer to the problem of evil. And so um, the in the entire book, he does a he's really good at explaining things very simply, okay? And and that's why I enjoy it. There's some things I, I don't agree with in the book, but nonetheless, he's a professor of apologetics, I believe, uh, at Biola University. And I have a couple, I got one of my wrestlers, uh, Armand, here we go into Biola, and uh, Josiah, uh, Joe's son, leaves for uh, Biola on Friday. So yeah, he's he's heading out. So um, you know, I always I'm always reading different books, and whenever I have a you know somebody I know going off to university, I try to get him to take classes uh, by the guys. I I enjoyed it, and I and why does God allow evil? If it's your first time reading Theodicy and or the answer to the problem of evil, maybe so you can use it in an evangelical way. It's a good opener. It's not. It's not. I don't want to say it's not deep, but it, it it's it's deep in its simplicity. You know, my son asked me a question the other day. 
He said, what if you were so smart that you couldn't explain something to people because you were so smart? I say, well, you wouldn't be very smart because somebody who was very intelligent would be able to explain it and then make it so that people would understand. And, you know, I I believe that's a lot of what Jesus (laughs) uh, does for us um, in his great humility because he is such a good God. But let me go through this a little quicker. Something I've been going through, and I'm only about a chapter left, uh, so I guess we've been doing it for about eight weeks, is... Dr. Ken Wilson's book, The Foundation of Augustinian Calvinism. It is a phenomenal piece of work. Now, he has his doctrinal thesis, and this is merely a small portion of that doctrinal thesis, a very small portion, and I read it in... I don't know, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, it, it's a very quick read, but there are a lot of really powerful, powerful statements. I won't go too much into the Messiah revealed in Holy Scripture because it's not really a book you can find online. It's one I got in Israel, and it is literally all it is are text next to text, text from the Old Testament fulfilled in the New Testament, but they were great for sharing the gospel and reaching out to Jews with the, um, the promises of the Messiah. Um, J.N.D. Kelly's Early Christian Doctrines. Now, this was, I think, my first book on church history and early Christian doctrines, and so it's one that I like to go back to and refer to because it's very good. Uh, Philip Schaeff's History of the Christian Church, Anti-Nicene, not Anti-Anti, that means before, Nicene Christianity from the death of John the Apostle to Constantine the Great, 100 to 325 AD. Phenomenal piece of historical work, and I'd say if you want to dig into the early church, I think that entire encyclopedia uh, is, is just fantastic. And then my favorite book, I've read personally on manuscripts is uh, it has a number of authors. So I'm just going to say FF Bruce and J.I. Packer. Uh, and it's the origin of the Bible. If you're looking for things about manuscripts and stuff like that, please check that out because I can tell you right now, I learned just a number of things and I've read it a number of times now. And just a quick one that I should have probably put on the list. No God, but one by Dr. The late Dr. Nabil Qureshi, fantastic book. But guys, I hope you have a happy new year. I hope that you're digging into God's word and, and, and guys, I, I, if you're going to defend something, defend God's flock, defend the word of truth, defend, okay, true doctrine. And not only that, be, you know, strive to be, agonize am I to be, agonize to be that person who watches their life and their doctrine. And in doing so, you will save yourself and those who hear you. That's a pastoral epistle, but I think it's a great word of God. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News.